0: Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, Justin and I are continuing our series on the means of grace. We're going to be covering preaching. Specifically, we're going to be covering three different areas. What is preaching and how that's confused? The event itself, that preaching is the gathered body of Christ. It's not a live stream and why that is so important according to scripture. And then lastly, what is preached is important, that it must be pointing us to Christ. And so we give an explanation from Scripture of how we should be preaching all of Christ from Scripture. And in the Separate from Monday podcast, uh, we take on some questions where people maybe criticize Christ in are preaching, uh, criticisms that have come from the past from people like John Piper.
1: Uh, we hope you enjoy. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon through the Amazon Smile program. When you make a purchase through Amazon Smile, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give.
0: Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed, confessional, and pastoral perspective. Your hosts today are Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church, in Asheville, North Carolina, and I am John Moffat, and I'm the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And Justin, it is good to be here with you, my friend, as we continue this series through the means of grace. And uh, just one announcement, Uh, Justin and I are going to actually be spending some time together in Knoxville here in a few weeks, and uh, so we're excited about that. We're going to be creating some more content, working on a book, that we're hopefully going to be finalizing, and most importantly... Enjoying fellowship.
1: <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it, man. We got a lot to get done and we're going to enjoy each other while we do.
0: Yeah. So you'll you'll probably get some uh, content from us on social media when we get there together. And uh, I know every time we announce we're coming to Knoxville, everyone wants to meet up with us and we would love to do that. And we are working on putting some events together potentially in Tennessee and in North Carolina and in Texas. But um, when Justin and I get together, we have like a very short amount of time. We have
1: way more to do than time to do it. (laughs) That's
0: right. It's not that we don't want to be with you, but unfortunately we don't have time to socialize. Justin, speaking of time, we're running out of it. Let's get into our subject.
1: Yeah. So we're continuing on today in the series on the means of grace and just public service announcement because of that Knoxville trip that you mentioned Along with some interviews that we've got coming up, there will be a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. between today's episode and then the remainder of the episodes that we plan to do on the means of grace. And just go ahead and say this too when it comes to prayer as a means of grace, we plan to actually do several episodes on prayer in the fall. Mm -hmm. So I hope all that's clear enough to the listeners so that you know what to expect. But today, John, we're going to talk about the ministry of the word in particular. All of these things, the means of grace are always related to the word. I mean, we don't want to pull the word and sacrament apart. We don't want to pull the word and sacrament apart. We wouldn't be able to pull the word away from prayer or song or any of those kinds of things because the word informs it all Mm -hmm. and undergirds it all. But we're talking about the ministry of the word in a pointed way today, and certainly the reading of God's word is a piece of this. When God's word is read in the assembled church, that's a thing. But particularly, we're having a conversation today about the word of God preached, and we're asking the question what happened to preaching mm. and what we're saying, of course, is not in asking that question. What we're asking is not, you know, preaching doesn't occur. Of course it does. In most every church gathering, uh, Protestant church gathering in this land on a Sunday, there's going to be some kind of a message, a homily or a sermon of some kind. Mm. So we're not saying that it isn't occurring in terms of like a speaking event in the service. But what we're saying is that, a Confessional reformed understanding of preaching is not common. No. And yeah, John, I lament what I see when I survey the landscape. And a lot of the stuff that is called preaching, with all due respect, is nothing of the sort. It's not the proclamation of the word of Christ. And so, I don't think this needs a ton of introduction from us no. to tee this topic up because most anybody listening to this podcast is going to care about the preaching of the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try today to point out some important distinctions yeah. that exist and also try to expose some of the things that are often peddled as preaching that are not preaching. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully say some good things about what preaching really is. And I am pretty confident, brother, given what you and I do for a living hmm. and the calling that we have in our local congregations, I assume that we'll be pretty fired up at points and I trust the listener will yeah. understand that.
0: Yeah. 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 Today's a, uh, I feel like we could do a thousand episodes on this, but we were going to try and get this down in 30 minutes here or so. And then- Ish. Uh, ish. 30-ish. We'll, and we'll go over to uh, the SR. But the w- when we, we use the word preaching, uh, what's what's hard is that over time, we've, we've really lost- Uh, what that word means and what's expected. You know, sometimes when people, uh, you know, if someone were to tell me, you know, they love pizza and they, I'm like, oh, well, describe me what you like on your pizza. And they're like, well, yeah, it's got two buns and you put this meat in between and cheese on top of it with ketchup mustard. I'm like, well, there happens to be bread and there happens to be cheese and meat on pizza, but that's not pizza, you know, the red sauce. But, and, and, and that's you know an interesting illustration, but the point of it is you you, you hear people describe it and you're like, mm, okay, this makes sense of why Christians are yeah. anemic and I mean, why it's... they're walking around confused yeah. and why they're trapped in sin because they aren't being liberated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you know, beginning, Justin, I think um, just even clarifying, I think, what is
1: preaching? And, and think, I'll go ahead and say this, John. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you. Forget congregants for a minute. I think that there are a number, a vast number of pastors who don't know what in the world preaching is. No. And I am not trying to sound condescending or arrogant or prideful in that. It's just objectively true. I've seen a number of dudes on Twitter say the same thing recently and I wholeheartedly endorse it. Like 100 emoji.
0: I'm there. Well, you listen to preaching and you're like, what's the difference between this and a TED Talk? I mean, it sounds like pragmatic right. advice.
1: Right. I'm like, I don't need
0: pragmatic advice. I need the power of the gospel. And that's, come on with it, John. Come on, brother. So let's talk a little bit about, I love when in my membership class I always ask people, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? And mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Because both are valuable. And they are. And they're very, yeah. very different and they have mm-hmm. different purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the means of grace are uh, involved in both. Uh, but j- as, a, as an example, preaching uh, in scripture is is a is really means to herald. It means herald or proclaim truth. And the point of it was to proclaim truth, for the sake of persuasion and mm-hmm. and to to cause change really yeah. because when you're heralding something you're 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 proclaiming an announcement that something has passed yes. whether that means war's over come home or yeah. it's safe whatever you're causing change in proclamation so we are preaching Christ that hearts might be changed that minds yeah. might be drawn to trust more right so that's preaching yeah. teaching uh, is different uh, when you look at the way in which t- teaching is described in the New Testament. Teacher Jesus was a teacher of the disciples, and so what is he doing? He is building them up in the way of Christ, right? In the way in which they should think, in the way that they should act, and so it's different in that you aren't, uh, you're not communicating to persuade, but you're communicating to build and to edify. In other words, to strengthen. So those two events, I think do need to be different because it is talked about when when Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, I, I think he means herald for purposes of change. And then you're talking about teaching, being faithful to teach the word. You have to have both. I know there are churches where that's only a teaching ministry from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And and I know there are only preaching and there's no teaching that goes on. And I think there needs to be a healthy a dose of both because that's what scripture gives us.
1: Sure. Agree with everything you're saying. I I want to hammer down maybe particularly on the preaching part mm-hmm. because that's the bulk of what we're trying to convey today and preaching is very similar to what John writes toward the end of his gospel the purpose for which he wrote that book was so that you might believe in Jesus the Christ that's you know right. the son of yeah. god and that by believing you may have life in his name and in one sense that's what we're trying to accomplish in preaching like you said we are heralds of news something that has occurred in time and space that Jesus God the Son incarnate has accomplished in the place of sinners. And we are heralding his person and his work. We are doing that with the aim to persuade. And we are aiming to persuade in in addition by extolling, we're not just saying, hey, he did this. We are extolling what he did. So we are, we are preaching it and heralding it and extolling it so that his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, his sufficiency might be seen, beheld, understood, received, and then trusted, right? And that's the kind of change you're talking about. That's what preaching is. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to this in a minute. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there, that it should become obvious that you are not preaching unless you are heralding and extolling Jesus that way every time you open the book. That's right. Which is, like Spurgeon is sort of famous for saying, it's kind of one of those urban legend quotes. I mean, he does write something like this, but no Christ in your sermon, sir, go home and never preach again that's until right. you have something <laughs> worth preaching. That's right. right. And that's a big deal. We're gonna pragmatic get pragmatic advice is all it is. Yeah. But hey, let's pivot kind of second talking point for us, you yeah. know, just kind of giving people the outline here. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about the preaching event mm. and we're using that language intentionally because you and I were talking a little bit before we We jumped on here and hit the record button about how one of the big issues here when it comes to the ministry of the word as a means of grace, and in particular, the preaching of the word as a means of grace, is that we, in a general sense, in the church in our day, have lost an appropriate sense of reverence for the preaching event. We have lost an appropriate sense of reverence even for the ordaining of men to preach the word in the context of the gathered church. I have a lot of thoughts on this too, John, but I want you to start us off here.
0: So I love asking this question, where in scripture do we have uh, a guarantee of this? Paul says this happens and it's a guarantee by the means of the power of the spirit that you will grow in knowledge and love. Right. In other words, we are going into the reflection of who Christ is. Do this. And it's a guarantee by means of the power of the spirit, this will happen. And it's interesting what people come up with. And um, what's interesting is that they don't quote. And and I love it when someone who s- says they read their Bible through every year, I'm like, if you've read your Bible through every year, you should be able to answer this question. Cause it is a really powerful moment in the book of Ephesians. Uh, but Paul says that the, it's the ministry of the word through preaching And teaching, by correct, go ahead, yeah, in particularly by spirit empowered and selected elders and teachers of the church. So there's nowhere else in Scripture that Paul guarantees that you will be built up in love, and you will not be tossed about, by everyone of doctrine. But you will be into the fullness and the knowledge of Christ, building built up in love. When the body functions properly. So, this is why we are, we, this event, it's not just a nicety. It's not just helpful community time. It's not how God kind of keeps us all in line. It literally is how he builds us up into the full knowledge and love of Christ. Now, that is a powerful statement, and it's not my words. Those are the words of Ephesians 4.
1: No, it's not like a bunch of preachers got together and said, hey, How can we make our vocation a big deal? And how can we get people to assemble and listen to us talk? Mm -hmm. This is not man's idea, like you said. This is God's idea. That's right. So I'm going to maybe take this in a slightly different direction. I think everything that you just said is really important and helpful. And we need to rightly acknowledge, understand, and reverence the fact that Jesus Christ himself gives gifts to the church in the form of pastors and teachers, Mm -hmm. uh, and that we need those gifted people those gifted men and that's not a slap in the face to the holy spirit because it's the spirit's designed to give such people that's right uh, for the building up the body of christ amen i think something that is an epidemic in our day is not understanding that preaching is an event i mean just even in in saying the the phrase the preaching event again that language is intentional mm-hmm. we are sometimes in the I don't know, serious minded evangelical church shy away from words like event or shy away from words like experience because of how those things have been co opted by revivalism. Right. Uh, I mean, so I understand that there can be some, I don't know, allergy to that kind of language, but those words are appropriate because this is true of all the means of grace. They only occur in the context of the assembled church. And in a particular way, preaching is only when the saints are gathered. When there is a man gifted and ordained by God to do the preaching of the word who is in their presence, bodily, preferably in a regular sense, right? Guest preachers are fine, but preferably he's a man who lives amongst the people. I mean, can I knows, interject? Yeah.
0: This is when Paul talks about using wisdom and selecting who? People Correct. among you A men among you. Yeah. Correct. To, to argue so, your point. So
1: in a regular sense, right? right? This is a man who lives among the congregation, who has been ordained to this office, right. who has been ordained to an office where he sets aside his life to the study of the Word of God and the ministry of the Word of God in, in prayer, Acts,
0: Book of Acts, yeah.
1: right? And now he will stand in front of the assembly and open the book, and he is going to proclaim and herald the things that we've been talking about, and we're going to talk more about what it is that we communicate in a minute. Yeah, but this is an an event, and it's an experience that you need to be present bodily for. So, when, with all due respect, if you are in a quote-unquote church where you are watching a quote-unquote preacher on a screen, you're listening to a message that is not preaching, that is not the means of grace. If you are the kind of individual who likes to consume sermon content in an audio format, you're listening to your favorite preachers during the week for edification, God be praised. That you would be learning and be edified by that. That's right. You are listening to messages, but that is not preaching. Preaching is an event where a, a man bodily is present with other people bodily, and the spirit is gathered with the people, and the man opens the word and preaches the word. And this event is not something that can be replicated.
0: That's right.
1: That's why, like, you are legit missing out if you are not present when this happens in the assembly of the saints in your church on the Lord's day. And what we would want to say, John, is that, and I mean, we're, we're two guys, dude, because of this podcast, there are people who listen to our sermons every week. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that people are encouraged and edified by those things. Sure. and We thank God for technology and all that stuff. And at the same time, the most important time you ever spend around the word of God in your life and the most important thing related to the word of God that occurs in your life is when your pastor preaches the word to your congregation on the Lord's day.
0: Now, you just said something that I want to emphasize. First of all, well said. You encouraged my heart and I agree. But you said something that the most important. And that's that's hard for people to hear because that is not what they have been taught. Now, we're going to argue this from scripture here. I mean, obviously, uh, this is part of the confessions, which is... You know where we're arguing from, but you need to understand that these arguments are not just some historical tradition that kind of came about. No, <laughs> uh, this is given to us. This is why Hebrew says, "Do not forsake the similing of yourselves as such as you are doing," right. because it is there that our faith is sustained and strengthened, and our knowledge of Christ is increased. And as James says, we become doers of the word. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's important that there's this emphasis on the receiving of the word see it's been a tradition that god has set up from the beginning children of israel gathered together to hear the law read over them right to, to hear it uh, and then you get into the new testament and it's read and explained because some people say well why don't we just read it well that's not what paul says to preach or to herald or explain is not just to read and so uh the, we do not prioritize this in our lives And Justin, we're okay with just kind of missing out. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'll get it next week, or it's okay, I'll just read my Bible, or I'll catch the MP3 on Monday. And now this is where the things are going to sound legalistic, and you guys are sounding like the Roman Catholic Church. I and Justin just want you to hear the Word of God and hear the promises of the Word of God. And if you're going to make a sacrifice you're going to make a sacrifice that would prevent you from ever feeding and feasting on Christ as he designed it to happen. I am not de-emphasizing Bible reading. I am just putting preaching and teaching back to where scripture properly make, emphasizes it.
1: Make the preaching of the word great again, you That's know, right. in one sense, is what we're trying to do. Because I mean, the priority is mentioned- people. Yeah, I mean, I think Ephesians four is an open and shut conversation. Uh, You mentioned Hebrews ten, that that whole passage leading into Hebrews ten twenty five is so corporate in nature in terms of how this whole thing works. You mentioned several other passages. Obviously, there's there's Second Timothy four. Well, can I just
0: say James? This is why James says with such great gusto: not many of you should be teachers
1: hundred percent, because
0: you could lead people the wrong direction. Right. this is why the office of an elder they needs to be rightly divide the word of truth. He has to have right character. He needs to be observable. and he needs to dedicate his life to study of the word. Why? Because he's shepherding. He's right. not an advisor. He's right. a shepherd of and souls,
1: correct. And I mean, we are we're thoughtful in how we handle the book of Acts. Yeah, you know, in terms of not building an ecclesiology entirely on what's going on there as the church is being founded, but people have seen for for a long time that in Acts six you have proto deacons, mm-hmm. and you also see the apostles who are in one sense proto pastor, proto shepherd, teacher type guys yeah. being set aside to the ministry of the word and prayer, and then you notice how the Lord builds His church in the Book of Acts. How does He always do it? Mm-hmm. He always does it through what? The proclamation of Christ. That's right. Like when the sermons that are recorded for us in the book of Acts, you know, in chapter two, Peter's Pentecost sermon, like Paul's great sermon in Acts 13, I could go on. Yeah. What's the content? The content is always Christ as the fulfillment of everything that has come before him and Christ as the savior of sinners. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's huge. And then I also think like Romans 10 17, very famous verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, hearing the by the word of Christ. So faith comes by hearing. That's right. Huge hearing by the word of Christ. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith Versus Faithfulness, A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org primer.
0: Yeah, I think it's just to add to that, Justin, it's interesting how Paul warns Timothy that as he continues to preach, those who come are going to, their hearts are going to drive them to want something else and don't follow that, right? They're going to want something other than Christ. And I mean, that's been something the church has had to battle for years, de-emphasizing preaching.
1: Correct. The itching ears, you know, who will put around themselves people who will say what they want to hear, that is not simply... Like oh, I want the the saccharine sweet cotton candy stuff. Yeah, I just want the fluff. It could be something else. I mean, it, it could be a, an easy listening legalism. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be an easy listening prosperity gospel. You know, it can. It's all theology of glory stuff about how I can be better now, that's whether right. that's my circumstances or whether that's the interior of my life becoming this super refined, like super Christian. Right. You know, I all of that. Is a deviation from mm-hmm. what we would understand the right preaching of the word of Christ to be. That's right. Which you know, I think. I, go ahead. Well, before we be, maybe launch into our last talking point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, this can be part of that. Uh, Great. So we're so we're pivoting. Yeah. One of the there are three things I always say human beings need, um, and this is observing. It's easy to observe. Uh, humans have to drink and eat, uh, and they have to eat, right? So if you don't have those, uh, sorry, I. I just, <laughs> just if we were Bible the it. kind
1: of podcast where we edit things out, we would edit <laughs> that, would that out. But we not. don't do that. First of we're, all, a human a one take. Right, a one take a human
0: show. needs sleep, a human yes. needs water, and a human needs food. If it, if you That's remove one of those, uh, you will eventually die. That's will and you'll become very weak and you will die. So um when you think of does the Bible give this type of understanding when it comes to the Christian life, right? So we're talking about a human life. Now, what about the spiritual life? And yeah. our answer to that is yes, it does give us those same types of water and rest and, and food, food, right? And those are what we call the means of grace, which is why Justin would say the priority of the Christian life is to eat Christ and to drink Christ, and that is done by means of sacrament and the public preaching and teaching of the word. Again, these are not our words. This Mm. is where Paul emphasizes it, I think, so clearly in Ephesians Mm. that you can't help but think this is how I live and grow is by these means, which then means if you are going to a preaching event and you aren't being given Christ, then whatever you're eating and drinking is not going to sustain you. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's not true food.
0: Right. So that means, the, our last and final point we'll talk about today on the podcast, uh, and then we're, we've got some stuff we're going to talk about SR that is going to relate to this for the second podcast that we do after this. Uh, preaching as a means of grace without grace is not a means of grace. <laughs> Meaning that if the if grace is not in your preaching, you cannot call it a means of grace and it is not going to strengthen you and it's not going to uh, protect you. So we right. need to explain, Justin, what does it mean to have grace in every sermon which is required? Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's not preaching.
1: And we don't mean grace in just some generic ethereal sense. That's right. Because that's a buzzword. I mean, grace a buzzword that's thrown around all over the place. Grace. We mean grace pointedly in terms of the grace of Christ. And so in one sense, you could say, you know, there needs to be grace in your preaching for it to be a means of grace. You could insert Christ for the word grace, because Christ is the grace of God. Without
0: Christ, there is no grace.
1: Christ (laughs) is the grace of God to us full stop. That's right. You know? And so what do we need in that sense in every message communicated very clearly? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna riff in a minute on all the stuff that's paraded around is Christ centered preaching that I don't think is at all. Right. But that's in a minute. I'm gonna stop myself. What we need in every sermon, brother, is the sufficiency of the person and the work of Jesus Christ heralded to the saints who desperately need him. We need his life as our life. You know, the fact that we have never accomplished anything that God has told us we need to accomplish for righteousness. We've broken all of his commandments. We've never really kept any of them. And we're still, even as regenerated persons, we are still inclined toward all evil. Mm. So what in the world could be our hope? Well, it's that Christ has done everything. That he, His holiness and His righteousness is counted to us as our holiness and righteousness. Mm. It is as though we have been as obedient to God's holy law as Christ was obedient for us. That needs to be preached. Then we need to preach His atoning work, the satisfaction that He made for sins. And so all of the wrong things that we've ever done, all of the wrong things we've felt, said. Thought, he atoned for all that. The corruption of our very nature, he made satisfaction for that. And so all is really well, and we have peace with God now and forever on account of Christ. And we receive all of that by faith, apart from anything that we could ever do. That has to be the resting heart rate of the church. That has to be what permeates the service of the church from beginning to end, and certainly must be the tone and tenor, the warp and the woof, to use the old phrase, of the preaching of the word. Or we're not preaching. With all due respect, we're not preaching the word of Christ. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's hard. There's been a lot of confusion and conservative evangelicalism, Calvinicalism, as we like to call it, Calvinistic sure. preachers, and you know the criticism is where well, you guys are. You guys are not taking the word of God serious, and you are implanting application into the text that was never designed to be there in other words you're putting jesus in a text that was never designed to be there and um i i understand and I we're pre- getting
1: into a question of hermeneutics now
0: it is but and i'll, I'll swing back and how to we interpret to, the scriptures right. go ahead keep talking uh, yeah. yeah but uh the, i understand the criticism and even john piper had a criticism against christ-centered preaching and uh you know we, we I believe we did a podcast on that. I can't remember. We'll put it in the notes if we did. But uh, the the point of it is this, is that if you're preaching, if the promise is that we grow in the knowledge of Christ through the means of preaching, I mean, it's literally what Paul says in Ephesians, uh, if it's not Christ, then how are you growing into the knowledge of Christ? So it, this is a hermeneutic issue. And Justin, this is why those, in my opinion, those who have... Uh, wandered from the Reformed tradition, the rediscovering of the means of grace uh, tend to reject the means of grace because they're also rejecting the hermeneutics that it's built upon, which is a Christocentric humanity, meaning that Christ is the point of Scripture. I, I, you know, I'll just say this now as an introduction. You can go back and listen to our co- series on covenant theology, and um, th- there's another episode we said, "Is your system any good?" Uh, we'll put those two podcasts in the, the notes below but it the story begins with jesus as creator of the world in genesis 1 and then it's in genesis 3 it becomes jesus as redeemer right who does god promise the seed of eve will come across the head of the serpent and so from genesis 3 forward you go from jesus Creator, jesus redeemer and you're waiting for the fulfillment of that well Yeah, I can preach Christ from all of Scripture because the gospel begins in Genesis 3 and is not completed until Revelation. So don't tell me I can't preach Christ because I can. He is the fulfillment of every Old Testament passage that has ever existed.
1: Right. The promise of the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15. I mean, what the rest of the whole Bible is effectively is the unfolding and the accomplishment of that promise. Right. And so, so that's huge. So we preach every passage in the scriptures in light of that. I mean, that's entirely legitimate. We're taking our cue from Christ Himself, who said that all of the scripture bears witness to him, that Moses wrote about him, that's that right. you search the scriptures, thinking in them you find eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. He goes to in Luke 24, famously on the Emmaus Road, he begins with the law and all the prophets and all these things and helps them understand, the disciples understand all of the things that these Books said about him, well, Peter's, and so,
0: Peter's sermon in Acts, of course, yeah. And we were just talking about Paul, all of this.
1: I mean, and this is this is the the tone and the tenor of all of the apostles' writings is that it was all of, about Christ and the plan of God to save sinners through Him. So it's entirely legitimate. That's right. I want to say a few. Th- I think we'll maybe get into some more of the the hermeneutical pieces of this, maybe an SR, yeah. You know, where we'll talk about some of the criticisms that are often levied against. Christocentric, redemptive historical preaching, right. and and maybe pick some of those apart, but for now, let me let me just say a couple of things here. Um, if we're going to rightly be preaching the word of God, we've got to have some tools in view. You've got to have a redemptive historical framework of the scriptures in terms of how the Bible hangs together. For us, as covenantal theologians, we would understand that covenant theology is that framework. Mm-hmm. So When we say redemptive historical theology, we mean covenant theology. We'll talk more about that in SR, potentially. Mm-hmm. We got to have that. But then we've got to rightly divide law and gospel. We talk about that a lot on this show that the law and the gospel are very often collapsed in the evangelical church. And even amongst Calvinistic evangelicals, this is common. And we don't keep the law and the gospel appropriately distinct, and we actually compromise both you know we 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 soft pedal the law in one sense but then we turn the gospel into this kind of conditional covenant of work sort of thing that's right. where there's requirements placed upon us that's not helpful if we're going to be preaching the word of god rightly as a means of grace that's right but then lastly man i'm just going to go ahead and make a few comments about what i think often occurs in pulpits It may take me a few minutes. Do you want to say something?
0: Yeah. Well, one, if you want to know more, if this is brand new to you, someone just sent you this podcast, Justin and I did a whole three-part series on Logosable Distinction. I encourage you to go listen to that because I think it'll give you a bigger platform. Uh, to to this, and just to add a little bit to what you're saying, just
1: the law in general too. I think we did a series, right? On-
0: when we say Christ-centered preaching, we don't mean that we're acknowledge we're ignoring parts of scripture. I think you're going to get into this, but we're ignoring the context and the history and the flow. And is- we'll talk about that
1: pointedly in SR. In
0: SR, yeah. but the 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 idea of it is going back to your reference of John. I write these things that you may believe in Christ. The whole point of the Bible, the whole point is that you would believe that Christ is sufficient. So if that's not your conclusion of every sermon, I don't think you actually preach to the point of the Bible.
1: Agreement. So here's my teaser for SR. You mentioned John Piper's critique of Christ-centered preaching. What he conveyed in this talk that he gave is that there are a lot of preachers who hover above the text, but they're not in the text. Mm-hmm. And my response to that is that's not true. Mm-hmm. And to pit what is often referred to as grammatical historical approaches to exegesis over and against redemptive historical approaches to exegesis is a false dichotomy. That's right. So if, if none of that makes sense to you, I, I'm sorry for that. And listen to the SR episode yeah. and we'll get into more depth. And like John has said, there's a number of other episodes where we deal with some of this content. Now, a few things I want to say before the regular show's over, because I care a lot about this. I know you do too here are some things that often occur in the pulpit in a general sense like in pulpits across this land that are unhelpful one the scriptures are preached through the lens of law not through the lens of law and gospel mm-hmm. and and what i mean by that it's it's when i say this think morality think moralism mm-hmm. think about how you would typically hear the old testament preached where we would go to the old testament in particular and we would follow around Old Testament saints, and we would think about how we can be like them in their good moments, so let me imitate the good, here's some bad stuff we need to avoid. That is not the kind of preaching that we're advocating Mm for. That is a law-based, morality-based perspective on the Scriptures, and that's not preaching. So that, That occurs all over the place. And I think that's the only way that many people even know to approach the Old Testament in particular. Secondarily, or A second comment I want to make, more on SR on some of this, there's a lot of preaching that's called Christ-centered mm-hmm. that, with all due respect, I don't think is. If you get into the pulpit, I don't care what testament you're in, I don't care what genre of scripture, but if you get into the pulpit and you preach for 45 minutes, and 40 of those minutes you're saying, Good things, true things that you're observing from the passage. You're talking about stuff that is not false. You're you're giving me a lot of information. Uh, you're maybe even meditating on you know how I should conduct my life, etc. None of that is inherently illegitimate, but that's what you do, and then you slip in the plan of salvation, or you slip in the meta narrative of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. And you call that Christ-centered preaching. I'm just like, homie, with all due respect, it's not. Yeah. Because you, you've not preached a Christ-centered sermon. You've preached actually a law-centered, morality-centered sermon. You've preached a Christian life-centered sermon and you've slipped Christ in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Rather than asking the question of every passage, where does this stand in relation to Christ and his work? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it, it's just a fundamentally different lens and approach. Mm-hmm. It's a fundamentally different perspective on the scripture and you're asking different questions as a preacher which affects of course how you're going to communicate the truth of the scripture Amen. and yeah more on that yeah for those of us who are going to join us for the mm-hmm. second podcast
0: well, to wrap this back up to the means of grace um you can see that there are important parts. When we say preaching as a means of grace, I can understand how someone would say, yeah, I don't, I think I trust my own Bible reading because you may have not been shepherded well. You know, yeah. Jesus tells Peter, feed my, my sheep, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a interesting, that's the last thing that Jesus tells the disciple before, you know, obviously Jesus is restoring Peter back to his uh, discipleship because Peter had denied him three times. Uh, and then you, you just see the you see the, the language of shepherd, right? Uh, or proclaimer, builder up. That's the whole point is that men are to dedicate their lives to the study of the word for the proclamation of the word so that the people of God can then yeah. sit under it and grow under it. Yeah. So I understand when all of these areas that we have talked about fall apart, the means by which God blesses and encourages his children begins to also fall apart. Uh, So thinking about just kind of recapping uh, what happened to baptism, what happened to communion, and now what happened to preaching before we go over to SR, uh, you can see how baptism has become a means to celebrate one's personal life instead of celebrating the work of Christ. Communion is all but out of existence completely because we don't understand the connection and the purposes of it by means of the Spirit and the gospel. And now preaching is also uh, diminished, because we don't actually preach Christ. And so if we're not feasting on Christ, which means we're not growing in the knowledge and the hope of Christ. So I can see, I mean, it's a brilliant move by Satan, to be honest with you. He doesn't need the guys to stop preaching. He just needs them to not preach Christ. <laughs> and
1: well, brother, he's turned, I mean, he and we are complicit in this. to yes. turned the means of grace into something or into things that are about our faithfulness. That's right. And I'm not saying our faithfulness is divorced from but our faithfulness is derived from the fact that we preach the faithfulness of God to us in Jesus. That's right. And that's what the sacraments are about. That's what the word is about. Yeah. And his faithfulness to us is what undergirds and drives and makes possible in any measure our faithfulness to him. Right. And we just miss that. Well, I mean, yeah. Paul
0: even told Timothy, hey, there's going to be wolves who come into the congregation and try and sift them, right, move them over. And so this is yeah. why elders need to be equipped. You know, I know I have sure. an elder training program. You have a program where we're yeah. equipping men to rightly divide the word of truth, yeah. to identify to false. Sound doctrine. That's right. To identify yeah. false teaching and to know how to shepherd
1: from Well, brother, pope. I mean, it's not really effective false teaching if it doesn't sound plausible <laughs> and if it doesn't sound pious in <laughs> some way. Right. I, I just, I'm like seriously the the stuff that's dangerous is the plausible pious sounding stuff i mean ephesians four literally says
0: when this happens you aren't tossed about by every wind of doctrine which means you can be tossed about by every wind of doctrine anyways we're going to continue on this conversation for those of you that uh
1: take us out baby
0: sorry he was doing a little little line over here um For those of you that may not know what Simper Refermanda is, SR is how we reference it. It's the second podcast that Justin and I do. It's a lot of fun. We 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 call it kind of like the condensed, concentrated explosion version of slash family time. (laughs) That's right. Uh, It's designed for those who have partnered with our ministry. Uh, to help us continue to proclaim the gospel through means of podcast, video, and media online and books, and so if you'd like to learn more about that community, we have an app, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. We do. Uh, all kinds of conversation Q&A's in there um, it's a fun growing community and then we also do this additional podcast so if you'd like to learn more about that you can go to theocast.org uh, stay tuned we have a fun uh, interview next week Lord willing and uh, it'll be kind of the first time we've partnered with this podcast and I'm just going to leave it there it's a mystery so I have to wait and see but these are good guys oh I can tell you what we're going to talk about if this all works out uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of confessionalism specifically with uh, within the Presbyterian and Baptist world. So it'll be fun, yeah. All right, Justin, we'll see you next week.